Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Fari Steve, and we have Kenzie back in the show again. Hello, everyone. How are you? Oh, doing great. The sun is out today. It's shining. I got a little bit of sunshine on me, and I'm feeling a lot better than I felt the last week, so. What, you don't like winter and spring? No, it's, I'm just tired of the back and forth. Like, I just need real sunshine. Real sunshine without like expecting snow the next day, or exactly, yeah. I uh, we were able to paddleboard last weekend. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was freezing cold in the water, but we were able to paddleboard. So, like, I just need that kind of weather. Yeah, I love paddleboarding. I love being on the water. It's so peaceful. Exactly. I truly feel the most connected to nature when I'm next to water. So that's why we want to live by the ocean is because we just feel so at peace and it's just in the grand scheme of things how small we are and almost as how insignificant our problems are compared to like the grand scheme of the world and sheer size of everything. Do you ever on a, I think it's on Facebook or Instagram, you know, those little selection, what house you would like to live in house one, house two. Yeah. House three? <laughs> I love those. And it's just like, you could have this really big mansion where you could fit like 15 people to live in this place, or you can mm -hmm. live in a little cabin out in the mountains or it's like, yeah, yeah fuck people. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I just want to live by the water, somewhere beautiful, somewhere warm that I don't have to deal with winter. It's nice. I just don't like it for long periods and this winter is just dragged on. And with that being said, there, um, one of the subjects I wanted to bring up today was like seasonal depression and just, oh, like, yeah. and just like just depression in general, but it's been talking to a few people and it seems like a lot of you, um, seems like people are just hitting their lows. At least they were mm -hmm. three weeks ago where it's sunshine and then we get a blizzard yeah well and two i just don't think it's helpful when you're cooped up inside and you need that vitamin d mm -hmm. to be able to have more serotonin in your body naturally so i mean store-bought is also fine store-bought serotonin is fine if people get onto you know antidepressants whatever is gonna work for them but yeah it's definitely proven seasonal depression is a real thing yeah and it's like, it's also like a controversial battle too. It's like, oh, do I give into the pharmaceutical industry and be on antidepressants or, in, you know, mm -hmm. on meds? Uh, or can I find some, is there some natural way I can do this even if the sun is not shining? Yeah. I mean, there's different things like um, happy lights or happy lamps, they call them, where it's supposed to produce vitamin D naturally. St. John's wort is also a supplement that it's supposed to help you with depression naturally. Mm -hmm. So I've heard of that. Yeah. There was a, the book, um, one in nine books of native American herbalism. It, ta oh. it talks about that. Yeah. St. John's wort. I think that's the mm -hmm. second time I've heard of that. I've heard of it. Yeah. My mom actually put me on both a happy lamp and a, St. John's wort supplement when I was younger 
because when I was 12, I really struggled with depression from like 12 through like 15 to 16. And then again, when I was 18 to 19. Does it have to do, if you don't mind me asking, does it have to do kind of like, were you like bullied in, in school? You know, I wasn't bullied in school. I mean, there was a very brief period of time where I was bullied and we never found out who was bullying me because it was a cyber bully. Okay. And it was a whole situation of they were messaging me, telling me to like kill myself and that I was a whore and that I was all sorts of different stuff. They knew where I lived. So they showed up and this was in high school. Mm-hmm. So they showed up to my house and they would spray paint penises on my driveway you know my parents property oh my God. so there was a brief period of time where i was bullied but for me personally my experience with having gone through depression was more based off of um i didn't have a regular childhood mm-hmm. i have a lot of childhood trauma that i'm still trying to work on and heal so my childhood trauma, it was kind of like I I didn't remember it until I was about 12 years old. And then I realized why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. And everything kind of just came bubbling up to the surface. And it was very hard because I couldn't talk to anybody in my family or, you know, really anybody else. Because who's going to understand the kind of stuff that I went through? And and still piecing it together now i'm 27 and i'm still having to grapple with everything but i'm in a much healthier space now than when i was 12 and then when i was 18 19 when you know the suicidal ideation and tendency was very very strong with my depression mm-hmm. so it wasn't just depression for me but it was also suicidal ideation did it it seems like a lot of kids too go through like the the child. I I feel the same way in regards to childhood trauma, some stuff that you blocked out, and then for mm-hmm. some reason they're like a certain smell or a certain scene or someone said something that just kind of triggered a whole flashback. Yeah. Of, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Or mm-hmm. I, I I didn't realize I went through this too. Right. Well, and it's just weird too. Those like time blocks that you just said is I'll see pictures of myself during several different periods of my life. I'm like, I have no recollection of being there. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that person is in the photos around me. I have no memory of this at all. But obviously it exists, but I blocked it all out. Like, I don't know, like getting yelled at by a certain either parent or teacher or... Uh, or even kids, or getting not bullied, but still like, what's the word? Psychologically tormented at school. Because kids are like, nice. No, it's it's a it's a whole battleground of all the mm-hmm. kids trying to figure out who they are in life, and them trying to, yeah, trying to figure out themselves. And like I I realized even as an as an adult when people are still bullying each other or still picking on each other they are suffering of their own issues and they're projecting it onto others oh exactly that's something that i think that the last several years that i've really 
learned has been the way that other people are treating you is more a projection of how they feel about themselves and how they're handling their own problems and they're just projecting it out onto you. Yeah. And even at work too, it's it's almost like you're still back in elementary school or middle school. Oh my god, I know. People, people <laughs> have not grown up. No, and you'd you would be shocked. I mean, I think I told you before, I dealt with a 46-year-old woman, so somebody who is 20 years older than me, and she was the biggest pain in my ass because I had to babysit her at 20, I was 26 at the time, at 26 years old, I was babysitting somebody 20 years older than me because she couldn't handle herself, and she was a bully, and she would throw people under the bus, and I just... Yeah, apparently you just don't get better all the time. So you still relapse and over the... It, mm -hmm. It's almost like you're taking little bits of information and trying to apply it to your life that makes you better, but you still keep screwing up over and over again. Well, and I think, too, it's that when we're younger, we think that people that are older than us just have it together. And then you continue to get older. Like when we were 16, we're like, oh my gosh, 20 year olds, they have their shit together. They know what they're doing. Wow, you're at 20, you're like 30 year olds. Oh my God, they know what they're doing in their lives. 40 year olds, it, like it just keeps, it's that cycle. But you keep progressing and getting to that age range where you thought people had it together. And you're like, no one knows what they're doing ever. <laughs> They're, so yeah, they're just trying to survive most of the time. Yeah, and some people have the brain capacity to want to do better with themselves and break generational cycles, mm -hmm. and other people don't even realize that they exist. Yeah, and then some, they're what was that blink? Uh, not blink one eight two. It's uh, bowling for soup. High school never ends. Yeah, they're still still interested in who's driving what if they're how mm -hmm. how their life is doing it's like oh you're you're um you're driving a bmw well i'm still in my little honda yeah so that comparison is such a big contributor i think to the mental health problems that people are facing it's, and yeah when you said with the uh, people in the 30s I, I thought people in the 30s where i was told to believe that people in their 30s this is where this is where you're supposed to have your life together. This is where mm -hmm. you have a kid. This is where you have a house. This is where you have a dog and, you know, all this. All of... You're going to check all the boxes that you're supposed to hit, even though who made that list? Yeah, who designed this? <laughs> yeah, who designed it? I mean, take it for me and Colin, my husband, where, you know, we were in a place where probably most people our age would like to be you know, we're homeowners and we're double income. We're not doing kids. We're not having kids. And that is a big shock for people. <laughs> like, why aren't you having kids? What's wrong with you? Like, you should want them. Okay, well, I don't want kids. You want kids. I'm not asking you why you want kids. You know, you live your life and I'm gonna live mine. Yeah, it's, there's so, there's so many factors to it, but when it comes down to you, it's yeah, you and your husband's life, and you, you both have both made a choice in what mm -hmm. you want to do, and and that's and that's okay, cause um, I think so. I think about the gene the genealogy thing throughout all the centuries, how where you got to your line, mm 
Mm-hmm. It's like, it's okay. I have siblings. They'll take care of it. They'll continue yeah. on the... Ge- it's like, are we obligated to continue on this um, this line? And I, and I keep thinking to myself, is it just going to get more diluted as the centuries go on? Or they're going to put me in a war position where I get killed by someone I'm like, there, my problem solved. The government did it for me. Or I'm going to go gay or I'm going to go bi. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm already off the gene pool. I'm totally fine with my blood. What is it? Your The bloodline ends with you or whatever. I'm fine with it. The way that the world's going, why why bother? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm very afraid of the our this gener our next generations like. I know seeing my nieces and nephews. One of my nieces is school age, so she just started kindergarten. Mm-hmm. But I have seven nieces and nephews, and it's just realizing the childhood that they're gonna have, and the things that they're gonna see. Like, you know, we we grew up watching 9-11 and on the TV during elementary school. We watched war continue on for 20 years. We've watched housing crisis and political just chaos. But it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And these poor kids have already gone through a pandemic when they're children and their life has been completely disrupted and nothing's mm-hmm. ever going to be the same nothing's ever going to be what it was like when we were kids like, yeah we saw 9-11 happen but also at the same time we didn't have technology that was interrupting our personal growth and development like what kids have now yeah i think we were in the beginning st- I mean, I had I had cassette tapes, but um, I still do. I mean, <laughs> that's an entirely different kind of technology. I remember but, YouTube. Yeah. When it first came out, when Paris Hilton's sex tape was on YouTube, and oh I was God. not to watch YouTube <laughs> because Paris Hilton's sex tape was on there. <laughs> or for, or what was Leave Brit, uh, Leave Britney alone. Oh yeah, guy. that was like those years later. But it's like you know, kids. Kids don't have to deal with what we dealt with, which was going outside and just enjoying. Yeah, enjoying, and which is so sad. Not like my parents said, "Okay, be back at this time." Mm-hmm. Okay, now be it's, back when the streetlights come on. And now it, um, when I got my first flip phone, it, it 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 was a game changer because it was always my my parents were worried about me all the time. Can you call me here? Call me at yeah. this time. Call me at that. Uh, it's the pressure. I'm like, oh my god, leave me alone. Let me go have fun. Yeah. And so, it, I mean, I'm sure it was like that before. Like, go to the next payphone. Right. Well, and I mean, to that point is that now that we have our phones, mm-hmm. we are in an age when everyone feels that they have a right to you at all hours of the day or night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somebody will message me or something and I don't respond for like few hours or even days and it's because I don't have the mental capacity to engage in a conversation with somebody at that point but it's because we always have these cell phones and they're just in our hands and in our faces all day long people just think that they're able to connect with you at any point it's exhausting 
Ooh, that's a good to that's a good topic because I just recalled the people who go through the Tinder phase where the Tinder phase. Yeah, so it's like, oh, the girl hasn't texted me back that I'm gonna instantly respond, and it's like, mm -hmm. or the guy hasn't responded back to me. It's like it's not you. It's just they're busy. It's yeah. not has not maybe it has nothing to do with you, or maybe you're not you know on their priority list like a like computer task manager. It's just like this comes first, work. You know, this, mm -hmm. this, and so that instant gratification of, yes, they text him back. Or, yeah. Yes, that video I'm going to watch on Facebook to waste my time when I wake up. Right. And it's, it's just <clears throat> numbing our senses. I mean, last week we were going to do the podcast last Sunday and I had a very difficult day on Friday mm -hmm. emotionally. A lot of stuff had kind of came up to the surface and I had a hard time with it. And trying to just grapple and not suppress it, but just go through and feel those emotions. And on Sunday, when I did my heels dance class, mm -hmm. it was kind of all brought back up again. And I just cried for like that hour that I was there in that class. And so then I had messaged you and I was just like, you know, I'm not in the mental capacity to engage in a conversation like this. But I'm glad that now I'm to the point where I can say no to things authentically. Mm -hmm. Because if I say yes you feel inauthentically, then I'm going to resent myself. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And well, that people are going, yeah, through whatever their process is, you need to step away. And it's mm -hmm. awesome that you're part of, you're doing a heels class. Yes. It. Having an extracurricular activity, especially outside of the home, nothing, not that there's anything mm -hmm. wrong with home, but when you're by yourself, it feels like your emotions just swallow you up. And yeah, the walls just start <clears throat> caving in. And doing an extracurricular activity, particularly something that's physical, like ju what you do or jujitsu or something, mm -hmm. it's almost like you're able to channel all that negative energy and just push it through building yourself. Yeah, it's it's a creative outlet and being able to express yourself in more of a healthy way than in the past for me. I've always taken my mental health issues that I had had at that time and my feelings and I would either suppress it or I would do something that would be damaging to myself and not necessarily just like physically damaging, but emotionally and making choices that weren't good for me because I didn't care about the consequences. Going on impulse and by emotion, emotional thinking. Yeah. <clears throat> I I can also relate for last week was, it was garbage. Last week sucked. And it, it's also why I brought up this, like this, um, this particular, th these subjects, because I'm like, I'm, I'm feel I was feeling it. I was just like, mm -hmm. How can I, how can we talk about this? Because this with other people at, in our in our workplaces, it's the stuff that they're going through in their lives. It's home, if, if it's problems at home and you can't talk about it at work, you just focus on work. Mm -hmm. At least that's what we're told to do. And it's almost like, where is our outlet? Yeah. And if we're at work and we're not good at our performance, we suffer or we get 
um, nobody it feels like nobody cares to hear what our struggles are with especially mm-hmm. the higher ups the higher ups are like we just need you to make us money right we don't give a shit what you have to say well and too as an adult it's so much harder to have friendships mm-hmm. so when if you've got issues within your household whether it's between you and your spouse you and your you know family like your parents your siblings or maybe it's your in-laws or uncles aunts whatever it could be and then you go to work and it's just not a healthy environment Mm -hmm. if you don't have friends or some sort of outlet for you to be able to handle those emotions and those feelings as they arise what are you gonna do it just seems like uh an infecting wound that just kind of eventually kind of kills you on the inside and then you have to find some easy way out because there mm-hmm. is the the harder ways are seem more distant as life goes on for you mm-hmm. or you're just unhealthy around other people and you're the toxic person yes and and then you find that you you feel like you're the victim but maybe in some way you might be the victim but you end up being mm-hmm. the perpetrator and never realizing it yeah Like, have you ever been in a situation where maybe after the fact you realized, I was the toxic person? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a self, last week was the self-realization that I was part of the problem. And it's hard to admit that you're the problem or yourself is the problem. Mm -hmm. And it's even harder to admit it publicly because it's like, you're afraid of judgment, but you're already being judged anyways. And but it's better that in my, I guess in my experience, it felt it feels better kind of coming out and trying to find some form of way to repair the damage, or just stop touching it because you're just making it worse. Mm-hmm. And being that toxic person is. I guess the first step is acknowledging it and then asking for forgiveness of yourself and whether you're religious or not, but, and then hoping people will forgive you in the process, but being able to actively make the change that, okay, like gossiping, gossiping is like, mm-hmm. oh my, it's such a toxic thing in a workplace. It's just toxic in general. In and general. If you, if you find mm-hmm. that the moment somebody leaves the room you want to say something negative about them you know it doesn't matter if it's at work it doesn't matter if it's friends family anything like that the moment that i'm in a group of people and all of a sudden the conversation is about somebody else in a negative way i shut it down i can't do that anymore yeah and i absolutely have been a hundred percent a part of that problem is talking about people in negative ways and you know, it was people I didn't even know, people that I just heard things about, and I just kept going on that spiral of, well, so-and-so said this about this person, blah, blah, blah. And I cannot do that anymore. It's so unhealthy. And since I've started those heels dance classes and the community that I've been around, that was the first place that I was encouraged to take up space as a person. I was encouraged to express myself authentically, cry, scream, 
move the way that I wanted to move and whatever made me feel good, that was truly the first place in my 27 years where I was encouraged to take up space. With, I admire just um, the dance classes in general. Um, not, I don't know what it's particularly called, the, the ones in high school, not drill or cheer, it was... Mm -hmm. um, even those those play like dance big role. company azarettes yeah so my sister was in dance through throughout elementary and high school and whatever and middle school but the more i went to her dances and the more the music they played that really fit the motions where they lifted their spines up and they had their face up or they grabbed them they grabbed their shoulders really tightly it's almost i see and feel the emotions that they're going through mm -hmm. or or not maybe the dancers but yeah both both the dancers and what the song was trying to portray is the release of their problems in a as in a story yeah but see the problem <clears throat> with being on a team of other girls is it's the least supportive place that you're ever going to find and i can say from experience with being on a cheer team is you are surrounded by people who look at you at co as competition. Mm -hmm. They want to be center and they want your position or, you know, they're looking down on you because your skills aren't up to the level that their skills are at. And so why are you even here? It's some of the most toxic and competitive and just overall unwelcoming environments. So going from a competitive background of being around a group of women and no one supports you to now being in a room where you know i do something even if i'm not good at it i'm being supported and cheered on and that's what i mean like that's when i was encouraged for the first time to take up space like you're a human being you are allowed to exist you are allowed to have feelings you are allowed to have moments of being just a mess yeah and that's okay and we need to encourage that and we need to we need to support it and we need to encourage other people to do the same thing and it's even more nice if it's not looked at out of a competitive perspective mm -hmm. and my sister she uh she she joined the marines and it's almost the same kind of concept as it was toxic oh i can't even imagine a woman alone in the marines the marines are the marines are tough mm -hmm. and let alone having a woman being in there with other women and mm -hmm. it's own i don't even know how it is for guys i mean in the electrical field it's almost the same kind of thing is it's competitive in a way and if you're not up to par you're looked down upon or and there's it's just unmerciful and in some ways once you screw up it's mm -hmm. all the focus is on that negative thing and, and you do all the positive things it's like good job you yeah it's overlooked yeah. when you do a good job but when you do a bad job even one time that's what people focus on yay pizza party here let's have a talk about your let's have a review and see how well you're doing mm -hmm. oh we tell oh this is the thing that you're screwing up on but i just told you that 
do you have anything else somebody else told you about no just exactly what you just told me that's what happened that's what happened to me they didn't have any background information and it was me openly admitting that i sucked at this particular thing and that's all the review was about it's like did you even like should i have not even said anything just let you run the show (laughs) well that's the funny part about working anywhere is I think that there's just a different power dynamic. It's hard to be able to reach out to, you know, your bosses or your managers and say, Hey, I need help without it feeling like you suck at your job and feeling like you are probably going to get fired because of whatever excuse that they're going to give you. Mm -hmm. And even if you're trying to be accountable for it, like, mm-hmm. I know I suck at this, and I'm trying to, and life keeps pushing me down, and it's hard. Like, there's there's a few people I know that are got off um, heavy drugs, and they're trying to recover, but it's it's pushing them to a point where they're, they're trying their best at work, but they're still having a hard time um, going cold turkey. Like, they're trying to... Mm-hmm. They're adjusting. They're adjusting. And even with, um, they're on meds and trying to get off the meds too. Just, it's like one step down to be really free Mm -hmm. from drugs. It's still an un, it's, it seems like the world's a little unmerciful. Like one, one mistake you'd made and it's hurting you for the rest of your life. I can't even imagine the courage that a addict has to be able to make that massive change in their life. I mean, I've seen it. There's a there's a company in Utah called The Other Side. Yeah, I've, so The Other Side Academy. I've done work with them. Yeah, so all those all those people that they bring in and the last job that I had worked at, the owner of the company had a tattoo, laser tattoo machine. So he would just do free tattoo removal for gang members that you know they're trying to remove their tattoos and and get back to a normal life and these guys were just the kindest and most uplifting people and i think it's because they they shoved themselves down so deep and so far into darkness that i don't know just being able to watch them emerge out from that and also, too, it's it's never over, right? Once you're an addict, there's always that tendency to relapse. Relapse and... It's almost... Like, even... Like, childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, even still, for... Till this day, I always say sorry. Even when I don't mean to say sorry, I just say sorry. Um, even... I'm not even guilty, but... Mm-hmm. Like if, uh, the other day when I was using the bathroom, it's like a single, single use bathroom. I, I left it and the guy that, the, the other person that was walking in, I told him sorry. And I don't even know why. And I, I have, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but, but for the, the other side of Academy, that's, that's a, I, that's a great place. I, mm when I worked when I worked with them uh, for one time thing um, I was very impressed of 
how they were able to help rehabilitate people, from what I saw. Yeah. And helping them getting back into the world with... I'm, I'm impressed by them. And I, I am, I'm very glad that they're... Whether people don't like, for example, I guess religion or not, I, I really like that a, mo a lot of the religions, organizations, and humanitarian projects are just helping people like them. Um, get people back on their feet. Yeah, there should be a lot more rehabilitation rather than incarceration. Yeah, that's a that's a bit. I'm, I don't. I'm not too educated on that subject. I just know the incarceration for people just having just a an ounce of weed or more is. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, that's an entirely different subject and very <laughs> heavily loaded, but. One of the biggest things when it comes to, like, addicts, there's literally been studies of rats and mice that they would basically give one group of rats drugs, but they had a community of other rats around, and those rats didn't ever get addicted. Mm -hmm. But then you isolate the rat and give them drugs, and they were addicted. Cause they didn't have a community and so it's just like it's that big spiral of you know somebody doesn't just walk off the street one day and be like i want to do meth that sounds fun no one does that you know it's a it's a series of steps that happen you know they lose their job they get divorced they lose a child they you know lose a parent they have depression anxiety or something they're trying to cope with the stuff that they're going through and it just keeps going downhill yeah slippery slope mm -hmm. and it's you, you ever saw the it's i guess it's a meme but it's um baby uh taking steps up a ladder to go into the sky and it's one person climbing up these little steps and another person looking really high high up and seeing the next step Mm -hmm. They don't know how they're going to reach it. Yeah. And I like the baby step method. I think, uh, what's his name? He's a financial guru guy. Um, Dave Ramsey, that's what he's mm -hmm. I think he talks about baby steps. And it sounds kind of belittling in some way when I look at it, look at it as baby steps. Because it's almost like, okay, you're still a baby, you know. But it's just all of it, taking little steps to towards your goals. And taking, I don't know, when you're trying to achieve achieve a goal or trying to get out of something, we just kind of look at it as a giant chunk, like just an overwhelming mess. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I don't know how to do this. Do we? But if you focus on one little one little section, um, that's one little section gone. Now you can work on the next one. Well, and it's kind of hard, too, because to that point, we're never happy with where we are, right? We're never just satisfied with where we're at. We could have fought tooth and nail to get where we are right at this point in time, but we forget that that's what we did, that we fought tooth and nail to get where we are. And then, you know, now it's just the next best thing. Now it's, okay, well, now what's what's this? Okay, and we're, we're never appreciating how far we've come we only look at how far else we have to go 
Yeah, it, it, the tendency to forget about being humble. And there, one of my friends that at one point in time suffered really heavily uh, through depression, um, almost to the point where he just wanted to off himself. Mm -hmm. I, I try to point, put in a perspective where, you know, what materialistic stuff you have. I mean, we're probably all, a lot of people are struggling internally, but the stuff that we have, for example, is what do you wake up to every morning? A mattress. You have a mattress? Some people in this world don't have a mattress. What? Probably a lot, not a Tempur-Pedic one or something. I don't know. Um, or waking up to air conditioning and heating. It's a blessing to have power. And clean water. Clean water wasn't a hundred years ago. That was something that was still in the works. I mean, it was always in the works throughout the centuries, but like the efficiency, I guess. Mm -hmm. Having a refrigerator or just food on the table. I mean, we look down on fried chicken, how bad it is for you, or ramen. Mm -hmm. But thank God that we have something cheap that we can make it get us through the next day. And so I think our first world problems with us, I guess for United States, I think it would be very appropriate if we put put ourselves in in looking at, I guess going go to the soup kitchen and help serve soup to people. That would be a good reality check to help. I've just thrown out a good example to, or I guess uh, an idea. Mm -hmm to get people out of a funk. But even with those people that are in that funk too, they're still going too. How, at least they're kind of trying. Right? I don't know their situation, but the people on the other side, they're trying to get out of their hole and their hole's probably deeper than ours. And, and so when I find myself complaining and uh, internally ungrateful for my current mental state, I also call myself a bitch because I'm like I'm better than this. I can. I I can change. I can do. I can. Do, I have the. I have the resources to do something about it. I mean, whether we look at internet is the. Um, bad thing. I mean, it's great as long as you can use it as a tool to improve yourself. Go find help. The one eight hundred depression hotline or whatever. Sorry, I'm on a rant. No, <laughs> a rant. no, you had you had a thought that you were wanting to get out, and I applaud you for, you know, expressing the way that you feel, and especially how you try to handle your own situations. And I know for me, every time that I've gotten into a depressive episode, it's been it's been very self destructive, in the way of I'm not good enough, and even growing up, I was told by family members that you know other people have it worse than you you need to just get over it and nothing hurt me worse than having the people that i loved in my life tell me that well your problems aren't even bad because somebody else has it worse i am a survivor of sexual abuse and it was at a young age 
So for me, grappling with what was taken from me at such a young age and trying to get back to normal or what I could come as close to normal as possible, but also at the same time not having the support and resources really to get in a healthier state. So instead, I was very self-destructive and looked for love with guys. And I would be very victim mentality. I would just try to do everything that I could to get attention from everyone, really. I tried to get attention from adults. I tried to get attention from guys mainly was the biggest thing for me. And it wasn't healthy. I wasn't getting the love and the, I don't know, like the love and the kindness that I needed at home. And so I sought it out elsewhere because I definitely wasn't giving it to myself because I was never taught to love myself. It was always, well, you shouldn't feel like that. You, you shouldn't be upset. Like you're fine. Your life is fine. They're telling you to push it aside, but mm -hmm. they don't see what you're, you're feeling. Yeah. And that always would, like when I was in therapy after one of my first suicidal attempts was you need to stop bottling things up and just trying to push it down, push it down, push it down. Stop doing that because what you're doing is you're just going to explode at some point. You're going to yes. implode. And that's exactly when I would start having like... Like, I'm going to plan my last day on earth. Like, this is, this is what my plan is going to be. So I then had to learn to open the faucet is the way that my therapist had recommended. Open the faucet, let a little bit out, and then you can close the faucet. You don't need to feel everything all at once, but you need to feel the things that you're feeling. And doing it in a healthy way in which... Last week, I found my venting turns into shit talking mm. and trying to decide and who I tell it to. That's a, a beautiful observation, though, that you were able to figure that out. And realizing I'm the problem. I'm part of the problem. But also feeling the victim at the same time, in which I did feel like I was the victim. But it was just a... A hot mess with ever ever people other people are involved and um shoot I don't know, my thought process just died um being able so I felt when you get into that deep hole of depression it feels like nobody's there for you and mm -hmm. it constantly feels like that even when people are all there for you and when we were going back to the texting thing, like, I text some of my friends and they never text back. But then I see them post something on Facebook. It's like, you mother... Mm -hmm. Hey, you... Why are you doing that? Why don't you text... Can you text me back, please? Come on, move. And, uh... And I thought, it's like, did I do something wrong? My... Or... It's almost like the silence is... It's detrimental. But... Maybe it, I didn't see what was really going on or I'm just telling myself a lie of 
my underlying issues that they're either they're afraid to tell me because I'm either they think I'm too sensitive and I won't be able to take it healthily I guess if that's a word and and so it's like where do I go and so uh, through through my issues I found books on like stoicism or the art of war or all, all these little things that do self-improvement and self-esteem it's like okay where do I go from here since like I feel I'm afraid to reach out to and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way too especially when things get political where it's like okay if you go to uh if you go to a what are they called the uh the person you talk to uh, a therapist so you go to a therapist sorry i was like a pharmaceutical no, <laughs> when you go to a therapist i'm afraid that it's like okay this is documented now is the government gonna say oh well you can't own this anymore you can't do this anymore and or you have to mark this down on a job application and and i feel like it's a vulnerability where i don't um it's i don't want to allow the opposition to use it against me and so self-help like finding self-help book was the only i felt like was the resort besides venting to people mm -hmm. and finding out you know a realization that venting to the wrong people it's, it's more detrimental more detrimental because you find out they're also shit talkers too or gossipers mm -hmm. and or you feel like oh they can relate to me and they do understand how i feel but they're also me too and in mm -hmm. that sense and it's just oh, a mess you know um colin my husband he just recently finished the book man enough by justin baldoni mm -hmm. and we've, i think we've talked about it before but it had sat on our shelf for probably a good year to year and a half before he ever touched the book because he wasn't in the mindset to be able to really get the benefit from reading it mm -hmm. and now he's been doing 75 hard which you need to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book every day and at first he was doing things like he was reading books about management in the workplace and because he's in management at his job and then I said, oh, you know, you're done with that book. There's that one on the shelf if you want to read it. And he just finished it yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he and I were talking about it. And of course, I don't want to share his necessarily experience because it's not mine to share. Yeah. But he said it was very impactful for him and helped him realize the things that have just stuck with him through life and the view of the way that he should be seeing himself from societal standpoint has been so detrimental to himself you know and and he really liked that book so maybe that one's a good option for you i would yeah i'll add it to the list um yeah he found it very beneficial i'm gonna read it next I didn't want to read it before he did because I wanted him to have his own experience before I had mine. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to compare notes. Because he said to me that this book in particular would help me understand him better. What is it called again? Man Enough. Man Enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And the whole premise of the book is it's the author, Justin Baldoni. He's a director now, but he was an actor. So he's been in Hollywood. And let's just say the man is attractive. <laughs> he was in the TV show, um, Jane the Virgin. Okay. And in that show, he was the muscular, hot, macho man. So he's played that part in life. He's played the, this is what a man should be. But now he's a dad of two kids. And he's gone through a whole self-exploration and realized the way that he was living was destructive. And basically the entire premise of the book is you are enough the way that you are and shares all of his experiences of ways that he didn't feel good enough and how to help other men in particular feel that they're worthy. So there is a, another book, which what really helped me, it really, uh, multiple actually, but this book, um, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. and it it took it took it takes sections of different books like of stoicism and brings it a, a little bit into one where people are met with certain resistances and finding ways out of it like the way to get through the problems is to meet the problem and mm -hmm. and I'm not really good at explaining this but it it really changed the way I thought of things. And same with Marcus Aurelius. He's the emperor of the Roman Empire from, I forgot which century, but AD or BC. His book, Meditations, is like the core value of all those things. And it is brilliant. Just everything about it, it makes you just appreciate life in a whole different perspective. And all these things I have to remind myself. I listen to it a, a, a little bit here and there, just to repeat, just to remind myself um, of these core values that I should continue living. And that even goes for church too, like church, even though it's like the same old, same old, they talk about the same thing all the time, but they're like Jesus this, Jesus that, Jesus this, Jesus that. And sometimes it gets old, but I understand why they, do it mm -hmm. you have newcomers that are is coming but being able to step away from the world and being able to focus on something positive whether it's jesus or not mm -hmm. it's a t it's a, it a it's escape and being able to that's why i still go to church is being able to step away from the world and being able to reflect on my week and what all the things that i've done what i didn't do and what I can do better and being able to ask for myself for forgiveness and being able to ask for forgiveness even though I might even repeat it again and so whether religion is corrupt or not at least it has a positive perspective at least it has some form of positive if you remove the money from it <laughs> <laughs> Well, religion doesn't have to be inside of a building. You yeah. Know? You can obviously be spiritual in whatever way that fits best for you. 
I will never judge somebody else's journey, whether that's religious, non-religious, spiritual, not spiritual, because that's their journey to live on and whatever is helping them be able to make choices that they feel is in either their best interests or families, you know, that's your journey. Yeah. It it only gets uh, convoluted when they start forcing it on others and you're like, exactly. yeah, I'm rejecting this. I'm good. Exactly. Did you feel uh, that had an impact in your life in uh, either positive or negative, like growing up too? Religion? Like, yeah. Yes. If you don't, if you don't mind me asking, we can also cut it out. You know, when you asked earlier about bullying, I was really only thinking about bullying when I was in school. Mm -hmm. But I was bullied by the church leaders when I was going through my depressive phase between 12 and 14. I had a very hard time because that's when everything for me came bubbling up to the surface when I remembered what had happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I was struggling. I didn't know how to handle those emotions. And so I self-harmed. I dressed in all black I went through you know like my emo phase or whatever and during that time I was told by church leaders like the adult women that if I just didn't listen to the music that I listened to I'd be happy but that everything that I was doing wasn't good enough they just kept telling me everything I was doing wasn't good enough and I should be happy with where I was and I was called all sorts of things when I went to church. One of them I was called a whore, or no, I was called a slut. The specific word was a slut by one of the moms in church. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I had a very negative experience. I remember praying to God every night, begging for my suffering to stop. I, you know, wanted to die, but I wasn't to the point yet at that time to take my own life, but I kept begging God to make it stop, that I didn't have to go to church anymore, that I didn't have to deal with the women anymore, that I, you know, that my experience would be done with suffering and you know, they always talked about in the Mormon church growing up, like, you'll get your, you're going to get your answers. Well, I never got any and it just progressed. It just got worse. And then I was unwelcomed by my bishop because one of the church women, mommy leaders, I don't know, whatever she was called. One of the adult women went to the church bishop and told him all sorts of stuff about me. And so the bishop called my parents into a meeting and told them I was no longer welcome. This, so this, I was kicked out of church. This was when you were 12? I was 14. 14. I was 14 years old. I was going through therapy through the church because I had tried to kill myself and still had wanted to. And I was unwelcomed by our bishop even though he knew that I was going to therapy because I was struggling. So I was turned away. It's unchristlike for 
for any, not even just that, it's her, sorry. When people are struggling, you're supposed to help them, you know, push them away. I mean, and you'd think that would be the Christian I, I, thing to do. Ideally, yeah. People are, people suck, though. People, people suck. suck. People, and people with, even with the older generations, um, in my perspective, were set in certain ways. And some of them I've met to relate to yours are in their certain ways where it's like this way or the highway it's black mm -hmm. it's it's black and white there is no in between so you do this even if it, you you're even the, the the victim in the story it's almost like oh well, i guess you're the problem congratulations mm -hmm. yeah i was the problem that they had to weed out as a 14 year old and in the workplace it's when you went sorry well in the workplace it's when you're calling out a problem it's like Oh, since I called you out, I guess now I'm the problem because I opened my mouth. And so when you're in your situation, when you're trying to seek for help and it's almost like, okay, well, you're the weakest link. Bye. Well, it always comes back to intentions, right? Like, what is your intention in the conversations that you have? When you're venting, like you've said that the way that you like to handle your tough periods Mm -hmm. When you're venting, like, what is your intention when you're venting? And then when you start talking about other people, what is your intention when you're starting to talk about other people? Like when you said that you were, you realized that you were starting to talk shit. Why? Why do that? You know, why, why are you doing all of these things to other people or about other people? Right? Mm-hmm. It, some of it. There is, there's really not any explanation. It seems like just autopilot of, uh, what does it mean, girls? Word vomit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's almost, sometimes it felt like it was uncontrollable. It's just like I wanted to be a social butterfly, I guess. Or have that social connection with that person. And I guess that was the, the tool. You stooped low. So that way you could connect to someone else. Yeah. I, oh, God, that sounds awful. <laughs> but I guess so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And You were seeking validation and acceptance from somebody, so you did the things that they were doing to get their kind of approval. Yeah. I, as awful as that sounds and how awful that... You're not yeah. the only one. Yeah, I don't... I, I guess the few to open it up I guess open up my can of worms trust me when I say I have done some self-destructive behavior I have definitely had my fair share and um I really hope listeners actually relate too and hope because I being being in that position it I, in some way, I really wish people were more open about it, too. It's just the hard... It's hard to face that because once you open it up, it's judgment all the way around, it seems like, but... We have to remember that we're <clears throat> human beings. <clears throat> we're going to make choices that we're going to look back on later and think... That was a really bad decision that was not who I intended that I wanted to be at that time but that's okay 
because just because you've done something in the past doesn't mean that you can't advocate against it now. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't always the nicest person. I mean, I still struggle with how I am some days. Sometimes I feel like I am two different kind of people. And some days I'm more centered with myself and that's who I strive to be. And other times I have an inflated ego. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, the person that I am right now in this moment, that's the person that I strive to be. Being real with yourself and try your best to be real with others and, mm-hmm. and try to be genuine. And it really also depends on the people you're around too. It's a big influence mm-hmm. because not that I'm blaming this other person, but this person loved to complain. Yeah. And it was almost like I was consuming his energy that, okay, I'm going to complain too. You want to complain too? Hey, let's, let's, uh, I don't care anymore. I, I just don't care. You know, it just gets. Yeah. It's like you get sucked into the vortex. Yes. And so I, when I see, um, not just memes, but there's people just talking about being, uh, removing yourself from that group. Mm-hmm. I get it now. Cause I've had some friends that seceded from our, my friend group that I had and I look at the time I'm just like why Mm -hmm. we were friends we were good friends that it what 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 went wrong and um the more I look at it it's like I think I understand it's either they didn't we just didn't click or we just kind of grew up grew up and grew old of each other or it was just our time to move on Mm mm-hmm yeah, but I still, I get still sad and upset about it, but I, uh, I understand now, I guess. It's never going to be easy losing the people that you thought would be with you for a very long time. And that doesn't have to mean death. Yeah. You can grieve a, a friendship that was lost. Yeah. And it doesn't help that, um however the world goes like politically or um whatever new laws in place or new movement that also changes the the friend friendship dynamic too it's like oh by the way i'm political now oh do you think i'm political yes you're the opposite of me we're no longer friends oh okay bye i guess little finger and that was I think that's the the hard part too is what is people thinking that I'm this thing but they never really asked me what I really was. Mm. It's like so they make the assumption. Mhm. And they l- live by the assumption and they never have the the gall to ask you. And that's both work and life. Mhm. It's a constant thing. Either you do something or you do nothing and I in some standpoints I just want to do nothing I don't want to have anything to do with anything but I'm still apparently that I'm still in trouble for doing so just trying to isolate mm-hmm. it's like the world wants to bring me in and get me into some trouble that yeah. I never really wanted to be in in the first place 
I mean, there's there's the term that I've heard, you know, silence is compliance on specific issues. And, you know, as your fellow community around you, you should be involved, right, in the betterment of society. I think everybody should, though. Yeah. But also, too, that's exhausting. Yeah. That is so draining. I will go through moments of, yes, okay, I'm really understanding what's going on. I'm really understanding the, the horrors that are happening in the world and dangerous laws that are being passed, like banning books completely. That's scary. Ew. Right? Yeah, that's a... Nazi Germany did that. Yeah, that's a 19... Yeah. So, there's a lot of scary things happening in the world. But also, too, I have to turn that off sometimes because that gets me way too heightened with my anxiety. And then I just start spiraling. You can't always be active with any politic. Yeah. It'll eat you alive. It'll eat you alive. Uh, It... That's what it, something randomly dropped on me uh, yesterday or two days ago, and I just keep seeing more and more of it, uh, and like us getting into a conflict with China, and I'm, and I'm having anxiety about that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want another 1940s thing happening where World War Three. That that too, and the people I know that I love are. Um, Asian and I don't want the 1940s thing mm-hmm. where they people on it's like 9-11 where okay if you were a turban you're an enemy I guess mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen with the Asian people I love or people in general it's just it's it's almost like when COVID happened people turn into a zealot uh, a, a, zealot. Ze- a zealot and they're like if you're not with us you're against us and they just go with the program and they just remove any type of logic that's in their brains and all the people all the asian people that got beat up or killed because of the people thought it was from china or whatever yeah i mean when we had our president that basically attacked an entire population of people calling it the china virus oh yeah the china flu or whatever i mean those are heavily weighted words and that's going to cause division immediately. So I remember after COVID happened, I made a point specifically to go to Chinese restaurants because I wanted to make sure that those businesses survived. Yeah. It, it's just that, like we, you and I talked about this previously about we're, we're just trying to li- live through our lives and trying to, like, this, the, how the the 20s are for us is just kind of hard. It's like, okay, we got to get insurance. We got to get our life together. We got to get it before 30. And it's like, okay, well, let's throw, here's our world thing. We're going to throw a monkey wrench in the stock market. And now we're going to throw it in the crypto thing. And now we're going to throw it. Oh, you guys are planning on having kids? Well, no. Uh, you can't afford you can't it afford anymore. It. <laughs> you want to be able to afford groceries? I don't think so. Here. We just spent $400 today on groceries. Oh, my Lord. $400. There's two people in our home, me and my husband, 
$400 on groceries. Oh, that's mind-blowing. I remember 2000, I remember my mom's bills from 2006 was like $100 for a giant uh, yeah, cart. Yeah, family, too. Family of four. I was like... truly don't understand how parents are buying groceries for their kids. How can you afford to feed them? I don't know either. It w it's, it uh, wasn't too long ago kids in Curran's struggle to even have a lunch that day i i did too um there were some days i um lunch ladies were very nice and gave me the we had the loaf of bread mm -hmm. i was thankful for that and but lunch was like two dollars back then or 250 mm -hmm. i think it was two dollars but i don't know how it's our economic is going to shit that's all, that's all I can see. Every, everything is awful and the world's on fire. So that's why it's important for you to take care of yourself mentally. Yes. Love yourself. Being able to forgive yourself. And being able to take accountability for everything that you do. All the, even the, especially the wrong things. Mm-hmm. If you don't learn from the wrong things that you do, you're going to continue that cycle. And being able to look beyond a narrow-mindedness. Like, it, would, do you feel like whenever you, with a group of friends or you go to a concert, you feel like your IQ just drops a little bit? You know, the funny thing is that I don't have a group of friends. I've been very much kind of on my own mm -hmm. as far as friendships go. I have surface level friendships. I see. My closest friend is my husband. And it's also I had a, what I considered a best friend. And I basically just drifted apart from her in a way that our relationship was very one-sided. And I couldn't do that anymore. It was... Well, we would go out, but only on her conditions. It was yeah. her idea. She set it up. The places that we went, we went on like camping trips. It would be only the camping trips that she planned. Like, oh, okay, well, do you want to go do something for my birthday? No, I can't. I think I'm going to go like hang out with my family tonight. Like it was Never very made time with you. It was very much like. I was there for her convenience instead of her being there for me because when our house was being built I lived out in Harriman mm -hmm. she lived 10 minutes away she also lived in Harriman and I was struggling really really bad living at my in-laws my father-in-law and I don't get along we don't see eye to eye but he made a point to not make me feel welcome in that house in that home and so I sat in the room every day when I came home. I tried to not really ever be out in the open. I tried to just maintain my little space um, because he made a point to always make me feel unwelcome. And I would cry constantly. I was having constant breakdowns because I was stressed out as hell from work because I was having to deal with a 46-year-old that I had to babysit. And her mess-ups were my problem. And then I came home to not feeling 
welcome in a home that I was only going to be in for a few months while my home was being built. And I would text her and just be like, I'm struggling so bad right now. I need to get out of this house. I need to get out of this house. I need help. And her response was basically like, that sucks. Not, hey, I understand I'm 10 minutes away. Do you want to like go, you know, hang out this weekend or something? It was never that. It was just, that sucks. Do you have, it's, do you have this sign that's the, how do you word it? It's, um, it's, it's the, it's your conscience. It's like a intuition, not, it's either mm-hmm. intuition or there's another word for it. Sixth sense, that's what it is. Where I feel like I should text this person today. Like just a random, just a random thought. Like someone you, either someone you know or someone that you haven't talked to in a long time. It's like, I need to text this person today or I need to. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to do a lot better on when I think of someone to make them know that I'm thinking of them. So sending them a text and being like, Hey, I was just thinking about you today, you know, cause that's creepy. Just kidding. I mean, kidding, kidding, no, kidding. yeah. It's just kidding. like, we think about people all the time, right? Yeah. But how often are we letting them know that? And to me, like, or for me, in my experience was, and still I struggle with it too, is that no one thinks about me. Like that I'm the passerby friend. I'm like the third wheel friend. I'm never within the friend group. I'm always like one foot in, one foot out because they don't want me to be fully in. Like I I struggle with friendships because I just don't think that people want me around. You felt like you never really belonged. Oh, I never have felt like I belonged. But that's like what I mean when I said that, you know, my classes, the dance classes I've been taking, that was the first time I've been encouraged to take up space. That's what I meant is because I've never belonged anywhere. You felt like you belonged there. And exactly. I feel like I belong there. Maybe not necessarily with the people all at the same time but in that moment and being able to exist without expectations and really caring about what people think of you mm-hmm. or because i'm i don't uh i've never heard of that term for uh what do you call it uh something dance uh heels dancing heels heels dancing tie heels and, dancing and I'm sure there's a lot of criticism that comes along with it. <laughs> My husband gets asked all the time how he feels about me posting my dance videos and about me going to these dance classes because I'm a married woman and I should not be doing such things, right? But I am reclaiming my body from all the things that I've experienced. I didn't get to grow up like a normal kid, but also because of that, I didn't have the opportunity to explore myself and learn myself in a healthy way. It was all in an unhealthy way. And the place that I go to is called Heal and a Heal. So H-E-A-L in a heel, high heel. Okay. And that's exactly what it is. You're healing those wounds. that have been inflicted upon you or that maybe you've caused yourself 
through moving your body and being in an environment where other people support you. And that's I think that's beautiful. And I've never... I've kind of heard it from that point of view, but I've never... Looking at it on an outside perspective, especially, I would assume for most, like, most people, it's just like, uh, what else, what are you wearing? Yeah, you know? for other people, it's like, oh my god, she looks like a hoe. <laughs> and here's the thing. My husband is very secure in our marriage, and I'm very secure in our marriage. It is not a issue for me to be posting those things in my marriage. Like, because he supports me in everything that I do. And when people have asked him, like, what do you, like, does not bother you that she goes to these classes and that she's posting that online? He's like, no. Because at the end of the day, she comes home to me and I get to go home to her. And what people see online and what I know about myself and what my husband knows about me it it's not the same like I have actually never openly said to other people that I'm a survivor of sexual abuse from a young age this is the first time that I've ever said that really out loud I've said it in a therapist's office I've said it to my husband but I have never made a point to let other people know because it it for some reason, just pe people automatically just go towards some negative, negative thought. If it, for them, it seems like it. Well, I was taught to not talk about those things because, well, certain things I just cannot talk about. Right. But I was taught not to talk about it because people wouldn't view me the same anymore. And that would be that basically was instilled in me that I would be considered weak. I would be considered whatever judgments people want to have on me. But now I'm in a position where I'm learning to heal that child that never got the opportunity to be a child. And being able to move and eventually move on from it. A, it's always or... going to be there. You know, I've been grappling and healing with it since I realized what had happened to me when I was around 12. So when I kind of had the, the memory start surfacing when I was around 12, this has been an ongoing process. This has been, what, 15 years that I've been grappling with it. And some days are really, really hard. And recently, the harder days have been more frequent. So, it's it's learning to give myself the grace on the bad days. Because it's always going to be there, right? Yeah. It's never going away. I'm never getting over it. I'm just feeling the moments when they come through rather than suppressing them like I used to do. Or isolating myself. Like I used to do. I'm a big isolator. Yeah, because it just ends up just being a bottled up toxic relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I come, I come home most of the days, and I just, I just play Minecraft. You're uh, just trying to disconnect. Disconnect, yeah. And 
what's what's sad is in a sense it's re it's reconnecting because i've made some friends on, on minecraft but mm -hmm. it's really weird but not surprised i i just i just love the game but there's a lot of kids or middle schoolers that play on it and the first and those kids suffer too mm -hmm. like some of them i've um made friends with or online friends i guess you would say and it they tell me stories of like they're being bullied in school and um some of them are i guess w one of them is like trans i guess and they're very open about it. they the first thing they asked me it's weird online online people are always asking what's your pronouns or mm -hmm. you know how old are you i'm like i really don't want to i don't want to you don't want to divulge no, information yeah because i also don't want to be like get myself into trouble and i don't want to i just don't, i just want to play my game and have fun mm -hmm. and but it's whatever i guess but they yeah they 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 tell me it's like oh i'm a male i'm a female like, i don't care i don't care let me play. but it's it's sad to know what the these kids are going through too and i guess i don't know where i'm going with this but like um the trauma they must feel with whatever their sexual orientation is or whatever and the kids that are harassing him for it and haranguing mm -hmm. it's the once you give the enemy a foot they take a mile or what if you give it an inch they take a foot whatever um and so i i get it and so why like i get why we bottle it up because it just seems like the opposition all they want to do is exploit it yeah and so where's our where's our solution is it with our friends keep your friends close keep your enemies closer is it like okay if i tell if i tell my parents this are they gonna think well of me are they gonna keep bugging me texting me all the time and calling me it's like oh my god leave me alone yeah like it's never a truly safe space yeah that you can express yourself authentically and you're unsure of where can you go to really express yourself without feeling like you failed or feeling like they're gonna leave you for it or disappear yeah i don't know it's it's a it's a mess it's a it's a mess that a lot of people seem like they're suffering through and when mm -hmm. i say that it's I, I hear a lot of like how many people are on Adderall and how many people are on yeah. antidepressants and um, how huge that is through the United States or the drug industry in general, just like the cocaine in the 90s and the the war on drugs that our government already feels. Sorry, conspiracy theory, huh? <laughs> um, and it's it's almost like a cycle of self-destructive that our nation is going through we're all trying to numb ourselves right or we're trying to avoid our problems you know we we come home we just watch tv or you know we just get on video games or we just like we do all the things to avoid dealing with what we're actually dealing with and like i'm adhd so Adderall would probably be very helpful for me, but I have yet to make the jump 
to see if it truly makes a difference in my life because some people it's like oh it helped me so much and some people it's like no I felt numb I was on antidepressants and I felt very numb one of them in particular I felt so numb and I just didn't have any feeling but also too there was another one that I was on that made me suicidal so just how does that even work right you take a medication to stop yourself from being a depressed just person that's shutting down completely and then it makes you suicidal that makes a lot of sense it's almost like well we closed this door for you but here's another door instead yeah. of hanging here's a guillotine right pick and your shoes and it just seems like all we're doing in society is we're treating a symptom instead of the problem mm-hmm yeah so, you know, like, oh, you know what? I, I'm not feeling all that great today and I don't want to do anything. I guess I'm just going to scroll through my phone and I'm going to scroll through Instagram. And then now I'm comparing myself to all these different people and their lives and their experiences and they're traveling the world. There's, they seem like they're doing really well off money wise. And like, where am I in the grand scheme of things? And filling in what we think they're, what's going on with their lives. It's like, you don't know that they have an $800 mortgage payment. An $800 mortgage payment or would sorry, be a breeze. Sorry, <laughs> Car sorry, payment, though, sorry. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, like, uh, they got a cool BM, you know, they got a cool, nice car, and it's like, well, have fun paying with that. Mm-hmm. You're in, um, or people going through college debt, it's like, yeah, they're, they're doing really well in their career-wise until they screw up once. Yeah. It, it's so... I, that that's mind blowing to me of how um, people go through a career for eight years. Like they go through schooling for eight or ten years, and then they get get to it. They're like, "This sucks." Well, yeah, it's because we're taught to go to college to better ourselves, right? Quote unquote, better ourselves um, right after high school. What when have we ever had real life experience outside of a freaking classroom? How do we know what we're going to be studying is actually what we want to do? We've never had a real job. We just had the... We worked retail. We worked a food place, right? Yeah, we had a, we had job fairs and the job fair... Like, so mm -hmm. in ninth grade, I had, um, what is it, 3.8 or something? I don't know how I got there because I sucked at math. But the, that one of the job fairs told me, with your grade average, you could be a pilot. And I'm like... Thank God I suck in seventh grade with the simulator. Let's go. Yeah, it's you're you're supposed to decide what you want to do when you're 18 years old. Who the hell decided that? The military. Just kidding. Just kidding. Right? Or you know, there are like, little advertisements. Ugh. It's just there's so much pressure to be checking all the boxes in life. Be, and I know for a fact, I was definitely part of the problem. When I was like 21 with my husband, I'm like, why aren't we married yet? We should be married now. Why did I think that? Because that's what everybody else was doing. And now I look back on it and I'm like, if I would have known what I know now, I would have probably waited to get married. I mean, not necessarily saying I would have waited to get married because I didn't want to marry my, my partner. Mm -hmm. But he and I have grown so, so much individually and together that when we got married, 
we still had young mindsets that weren't all that healthy. And now we have a completely different mindset, right? Like I would have gotten married older just mm-hmm. because my mindset is different. Yeah. So every time I see like an 18, 19 year old get married, I'm like stressed the fuck out. <sighs> so I'm like, they are children. They know nothing about themselves and their lives. They don't know who they are and they're committing to another person that they've known, you know, maybe for a year. Like if you get married after a year, that is shocking. Like, I hope it goes well for you. Cause I hope our, it cause, goes well. Because our state has a high divorce rate. You have fun with that. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I waited too because uh, I hate going with the bandwagon. I, you, mm-hmm. Like same with college too, I waited. I waited for my friends to go actually just to have them figure out what it's like so then I can see what it's like. Oh, you're so smart. And I never took out loans. I if When I finally afforded it, like back then it was uh, 500 a class then 200 for freaking books so it was like 800 total that's not math i just did math wrong that's okay. it's 700 i'm terrible at math don't I'm, worry i'm estimating uh with taxes and all that anyways i i wait i wait for others to make the move so then i can you learn from their mistakes yes i learned from that's smart i try to learn from others mistakes <laughs> i learned from mine too but um it seems seem more effective that way. Same, um, and I take everything with a grain of grain of salt too. Like going to an auto shop, ugh, I hate the way they do. <laughs> I here, I'm I'm pro women on this one for the I auto shops piss me off. They take advantage. Uh, they took advantage of my wife of selling her a fifty dollar air filter. And okay, sorry tangent. I just ADD. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I just have to laugh about it because my husband works in the automotive industry and I tell him all the time. <laughs> I'm like, you are in an uphill battle dealing with people in the automotive industry because everyone comes at you because you are their mortal enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, it, it's, uh, we're learning from, yeah, uh, I go with multiple opinions. And so I think that's part of like when my venting process, cause I wanted to hear what other people have to say and secure different perspectives, which is also why I did this too, but, um, this podcast and it helps me learn. So it's like someone who's, you know, this, uh, politic or this one is in this position or this one is they coming together and trying to figure out how can we accommodate to each other. Mm-hmm. and find middle ground and find peace and harmony throughout the world without having to be a pushover or maybe we could try to be a pushover i don't know well you should never be a pushover right like we should always have our own boundaries right boundaries are so unbelievably healthy and i am now starting to set boundaries like last weekend i set a boundary that i was very proud of myself for and you know i felt bad at first setting that boundary and then I was a sigh of relief I'm like damn I don't have to do the thing that I knew was going to make me feel like absolute shit yes because I decided if it's not a hell yes it's a hell no Mm -hmm. so no I'm not going to go be in a group of people where I feel like shit for just existing so I said no I set those boundaries Everybody should. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's me last week, too. 
What a shit show. Well, that's something to applaud. Yay. Setting boundaries. <laughs> Setting boundaries and making changes. Mm-hmm. Hopefully for the better. Always please for the better, but if you have a a moment where it's not always for the better, you have the opportunity to change it. Oh, there was some to that. Um, I just saw a video, multiple videos that kind of referenced it, but so in, have you seen any of the Star Trek stuff? I've never seen Star Trek one time in my life. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> my husband's a Star terrible. Wars person, so that's where the focus has been. That's fine. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I did the same thing to you. I bought a helmet. Um, uh, okay, so they have a situation. It's called the it's called the Kobayashi Maru situation. It's where you're put in a, a doomed situation. What can you do when you're screwed on both ends? Like, you're, there's no way out. What mm. can you do to for yourself or for the people around you but you're either way you pick one side you doom that you doom them you pick the other you doom the other or you doom yourself so you're you're trying to pick the least of the worst choices yay but they're all bad choices brought to you by politics and voting for a president (laughs) yeah brought to you by our last presidential election (laughs) (laughs) she's like every single one um yes it I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm really in that situation. It's just um, where I don't want to be part of it, but I'm doomed either way because mm-hmm. it's like I don't know how to react or my my words don't come out right. And I'm like, okay, don't take it personal, but this is happening. It's like, oh, I'm taking it personal because you told me to take Oh, God. I'm just trying to be priest to everyone. You know, anyways, the, the you know, they're situations that that happens is like if you're trying to bring peace between your husband and somebody else it's like he didn't mean it that way bullshit he meant it that way don't take his side take my side you know see for me it's people are gonna view myself or others around me in whatever way that they're gonna view it and it's not my responsibility to change their mind yes Agreed. Like, I will defend, you know, the people that I love if somebody makes a remark and I will just say flat out, that's not okay. You're like, you cannot speak about that person like that in my presence because I will defend that person. But also at the same time, it's not my responsibility when somebody has those thoughts about me to change their mind. I am who I am. And why am I seeking their approval? Yeah. <sighs> this was good. I liked it. Think we should call it? I think it's good. I think it's good. I appreciate you coming back. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're always so kind to reach out and ask me to be on it. Oh, well, I love your thoughts. Like, there's there's, there's a few people, um, not a few people, every person I've brought on here has been awesome. But... I, I I love having you on because you 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 pick you point at stuff that or you express things that are really the hit um, the hit key points and that really gosh I'm not good with my words right now it's okay that people feel that that that's very relatable and 
that it's just great and you're very expressive of how you feel and it's real it's awesome oh thank you it's been a it's been a very very long journey to be able to talk about the things that I've been able to talk about and I am not the person that I was even two years ago five years ago 15 years ago you know and it's taken a lot of work so thank you I really appreciate that yeah. what was that book called before was it called the men man enough man enough man enough man enough yeah I have to like separate it because you know it sounds like it's one word so it's man enough by Justin Baldoni and he also just released another book um, I do not recall what that one's called but man enough was his first book okay cool oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to that yeah it's undefining masculinity okay so cool thanks for coming back thank you bye everybody see ya